In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. The most remarkable feature of man's future is its flexibility. The future, although prepared in advance in every detail, has several outcomes. We have at every moment of our lives the choice before us, which of several futures we will have. Aloha, how's it? George, back here with another book review for you guys. And we got the Neville Goddard Book Collection. It's actually a collection of 10 different books. and. Uh, Neville Goddard was kind of a spiritual leader. I guess some people would even call him a mystic. But he's got a lot of fascinating ideas on how to interpret different scriptures from all sorts of biblical references. And I just want to share with you one part that I've really done a lot of soul searching on. And if you get an opportunity to get this book, I, I definitely think you should. It's the Neville Goddard book collection. And I'm just going to read you a quick excerpt. And this particular part is about remaining faithful to your idea. And it goes, we'll start here. I know that when a man sees a thing clearly, he can tell it, he can explain it. This past winter in Barbados, a fisherman whose vocabulary would not encompass a thousand words told me more in five minutes about the behavior of the dolphin than Shakespeare with his vast vocabulary could have told me if he did not know the habits of the dolphin. The fisherman told me how the dolphin loves to play on a piece of driftwood. And in order to catch him, you throw the wood out and bait him as you would bait children because he likes to pretend he is getting out of the water. As I said, the man's vocabulary was very limited, but he knew his fish and he knew the sea. Because he knew his dolphin, he could tell me all about their habits and how to catch them. When you say you know a thing, but you cannot explain it, I say you do not know it. For when you really know it, you naturally express it. That's important to think about because we all know people who say they know things, but then when you ask them to explain it, they kind of draw a blank. Additionally, I think that's kind of what makes a great teacher is that someone who knows something so thoroughly that they can teach it to children 
or explain it to even someone with a limited vocabulary understanding. If I should ask you now to define prayer and you say to me, how would you, through prayer, go about realizing an objective, any objective? If you can tell me, then you know it. But if you cannot tell me, then you do not know it. When you see it clearly in the mind's eye, the greater you will inspire the words which are necessary to clothe the idea and express it beautifully. And you will express the idea far better than a man with a vast vocabulary who does not see it as clearly as you do. Authors of the Bible were not writing history. They were writing a great drama of the mind, which they dressed up in the garb of history. You know that every story in the Bible is your story. That when the writers introduce dozens of characters in the same story, they are trying to present you with different attributes of the mind that you may employ. Another point about having faith in your idea that he speaks about that really spoke to me was this passage here. Many persons, myself included, have observed events before they occurred. That is, before they occurred in this world of three dimensions. Since man can observe an event before it occurs in the three dimensions of space, then life on earth proceeds according to plan. And this plan must exist elsewhere in another dimension and is slowly moving through our space. If the occurring events were not in this world when they were observed, then to be perfectly logical, they must have been out of this world. And whatever is there to be seen before it occurs here must be predetermined. From the point of view of man awake in a three-dimensional world, yet the ancient teachers taught us that we could alter the future, and my own experience confirms the truth of their teaching. Therefore, my object in giving this course is to indicate possibilities inherent in man, to show that man can alter his future. But thus altered, it forms again a deterministic sequencing starting from the point of interference, a future that will be consistent with the alteration. The most remarkable feature of man's future is its flexibility. The future, although prepared in advance in every detail, has several outcomes. We have at every moment of our lives the choice before us, which of several futures we will have. There are two actual outlooks on the world possessed by everyone, a natural focus and a spiritual focus. The ancient teachers called the one the carnal mind and the other the mind of Christ. We may differentiate them as ordinary waking consciousness governed by our senses and controlled imagination governed by desire. We recognize these two distinct centers of thought in the statement, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The natural view confines reality to the moment called now. To the natural view, the past and future are purely imaginary. The spiritual view, on the other hand, sees the contents of time. The past and future are a present whole to the spiritual view. What is mental and subjective to the natural man is concrete and objective to the spiritual man. The habit of seeing only that which our senses permit renders us totally blind to what otherwise we could see. To cultivate the faculty of seeing the invisible, we should often deliberately disentangle our minds from the evidence of the senses and focus our attention on an invisible state, mentally feeling it and sensing it until it has all the distinctness of reality. That's a quick excerpt of 
Neville Goddard collection. If you think about it, it's having faith in your idea and it's a form of visualization, a form of, of helping you maintain faith when times get tough, when times get difficult. Here's yet another excerpt that I think you'll enjoy. Earnest, concentrated thought focused in a particular direction shuts out other sensations and causes them to disappear. We have only to concentrate on the state desired in order to see it. I'm going to read that again because I think it's really important. Earnest, concentrated thought focused in a particular direction shuts out other sensations and causes them to disappear. We have only to concentrate on the state desired in order to see it. The habit of withdrawing attention from the region of sensation and concentrating it on the invisible develops our spiritual outlook and enables us to penetrate beyond the world of sense and to see that which is invisible. For the invisible things for him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. A lot of us have some sort of uh, techniques we use to envision ourselves in the future or envision our goals or help us create a better path forward. I often say sometimes that, I often say when you talk about it, it's a dream, when you envision it, it's possible, but when you schedule it, it becomes real. And I think that's important here. I think the point Neville Goddard is making is that not only do you have to see it, visualize it happening in your mind's eye of how it can happen, but you have to physically see yourself doing it and accomplishing it. That's where a lot of people, in my opinion, miss out on the strategies of success and the strategies of using your imagination to the full is that they can envision themselves doing it. However, they don't take that next step and imagine themselves accomplishing it, how it would feel once they've accomplished it, how it would feel when they're doing it. And I think it's important to tie those emotions to your visualization strategy. As we carry on, a little practice will convince us that we can by controlling our imagination, we shape our future in harmony with our desire. Desire is the mainspring of action. We could not move a single finger unless we had a desire to move it. No matter what we do, we follow the desire, which at the moment dominates our minds. When we break a habit, our desire to break it is greater than our desire to continue the habit. The desires which impel us to action are those which hold our attention. A desire is but an awareness of something we lack and need to make our life more enjoyable. Desires always have some personal gain in view. The greater the anticipated gain, the more intense in the desire. There is no absolutely unselfish desire. Where there is nothing to gain, there is no desire, and consequently, no action. The desires which impel us to action are those which hold our attention. A desire is but an awareness of something we lack and need to make our life more enjoyable. Desires always have some personal gain in view. The greater the anticipated gain, the more intense is the desire. There is no absolutely unselfish desire. Where there is nothing to gain, there is nothing to desire, and consequently, no action. The spiritual man speaks to the natural man through the language of desire. The key to progress in life and to the fulfillment of dreams lies in the ready obedience to its voice unhesitating obedience to its voice is an immediate assumption of the wish fulfilled to desire a state is to have it as pascal has said you would not have sought me had you not already found me man by assuming the feeling of his wish fulfilled 
and then living and acting on this conviction alters the future in harmony with his assumption. Assumptions awake what they affirm. As soon as man assumes the feeling of his wish fulfilled, his fourth dimensional self finds ways for the attainment of this end, discovers methods for its realization. I know of no clearer definition of the means by which we realize our desires than to experience in the imagination what we would experience in the flesh were we to achieve our goal. This imaginary experience of the end with acceptance wills the means. The fourth dimensional self then constructs with its larger outlook the means necessary to realize the accepted end. The undisciplined mind finds it difficult to assume a state which is denied by the senses. But here is a technique that makes it easy to call things which are not seen as though they were. That is, to encounter an event before it occurs. People have a habit of sliding the importance of simple things, but this simple formula for changing the future was discovered after years of searching and experimenting. Yeah, how's it? Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision and I hope you all conquer it and I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better, your life will be better and you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.